Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. It's important to teach children to celebrate the diversity all around them. And the new book by Maria Antoinette Meredith, titled Perfectly Mixed, does just that. I'm really happy that Maria is joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Maria, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. Glad to be here. Can you tell me about Perfectly Mixed? Sure. This book was inspired by just a desire to challenge us as adults to change our thinking about our differences and teaching our children the importance of accepting each other for who they are, not being so concerned about where we're from, what we look like, and the color of our skin. So it's it's a book about a little girl who is five years old. Her name is Kelly. And she happens to be biracial. And her mother and father, who one happens to be from Africa, the other from Australia, and they just teach her to love herself, to believe in herself, and to love others. It's a wonderful message. Uh, Was there anything in particular that inspired you to write this? Well, looking at our country and the big racial divide that I've seen over the years, and specifically during the 2020 election, I noticed that there, I mean, this is something that we really have to fight against. We have to start where it begins and it begins at home. It begins Mm. when we're teaching our children, you know, hate is taught. It's not born within you. As we see kids playing from different nations, different countries, and they love each other, they don't see color. They have to get it from somewhere. So it's something that is taught at an early age. And I just felt that We have to start there. We have to teach our children that color should not divide us. You know, we all bleed red, and it's important if we teach our children, they'll grow up loving individuals for who they are and not what they look like. Absolutely. What age of children were you thinking about when you were writing this? Really, I was thinking about children from kindergarten through elementary. Hmm. But I feel like the principles that have been laid out in this book are something that children in junior high and high school could learn a lesson from. So even though it's written for the younger generation, I feel like everyone could learn a lesson and teachers could teach their children life's lessons from this book. What does your writing background look like? Have you written or been published before? No, actually, this is my first book. I've always had a desire to, you know, write a book. I always wanted to put pen to paper and, you know, make an impact somehow in the world. I never thought I would write a children's book. It was just I had some time on my hands and I had my career taken a turn and I had, you know, some time off. And I was just thinking, you know, well, this is the perfect time to to maybe write a book. Hmm. Initially, I wanted to do a memoir you know, of my life, but somehow this message, you know, was birthed out of me (laughs) and I decided to just flow with it. Mm. So 
Well, congratulations on your first book. It's such a big deal, huge milestone. There's so much time and energy that goes into it. How does it feel now that when you look at yourself in the mirror, you can say, wow, I'm a published author now? Well, I mean, it's exciting. It really is. It's exciting to know that it's a great accomplishment. However, what's most important to me is that children get this book in their hands. Mm -hmm. I, I really want the message to get out there. I want them to know that they should love themselves. They should believe in themselves and they should include others, be very inclusive. It's important that that message is shared so that the individual can grow and um, share that love with other children. And, and that's just going to make the world a better place. So mm. that's really what's important to me. Oh, that's wonderful. Maria's book is titled Perfectly Mixed. It's written, of course, by Maria Antoinette Meredith, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can buy it everywhere that you shop for your books on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Maria, thanks again for joining me tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. We're all on a journey in life. And author James Canfield Jr. shares his journey of faith and seeking answers about God in his new book, Memoirs of a Repentant Apostle, Learning to Trust in God's Love and Providence in My Life. Really happy that James is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. James, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. My pleasure. Can you tell me about Memoirs of a Repentant Apostle? Well, it, it really is a sort of a, a summation of my travel towards God. As I state in the book, while my journey is unique to me, it's not unique to others as such, because we all, at different times in our lives, find ourselves in those valleys and we and we have questions. And so about three or four months before I started writing the book, I just felt it upon my heart. I had to share my experiences because I was talking, I would talk with people from time to time and they'd say, well, why are you where you are? And I'd share that. Mm. And so I thought, well, maybe I should share that with everyone, not just with a few. But how long were you working on it? It's interesting. I was joking with my wife. The book I've been working on for most of my adult life, uh, said I'm, I'm a, just turned 70 not too long ago. And, and I, when I came to Christ, it was in my early 30s. And literally, uh, God's been working on me in this book for probably 20, 25 years as he molded me. And so when I started actually putting it to print, to paper, to ink, it just seemed to, to flow. I would sit down and I would just start writing. It didn't take long, actually. It was, it, it, it was kind of shocking. It actually kind of worried me, whereas I saying everything that I needed to say here. So I would have uh, different friends read it and said, well, what do you think? And they would go, no, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. Mm. So literally when I started writing it, it only took me probably about six to seven months to actually write the book. But literally preparing to write the book was probably 20, 30 years of hills and valleys and getting through and learning to trust God. What does your writing background look like? Would you call yourself a writer? I would call myself an evangelist, but as my, my wife has just said to me recently, because I'm finishing off uh, my master's in Christian apologetics, she said, you know, your writing is changing. It is becoming different. So I guess now I'm a writer as well, <laughs> even I'm still working. And so 
even my emails are starting to have flavor to them and stuff. So yeah, I guess I'm uh, I'm a writer now. <laughs> You're a writer now. Uh, have you been published before, or is this your first published one? First time. Wow, such a huge milestone. A lot of people say, you know, someday I'm going to publish a book, but it's a lot of work and a lot of people don't always get around to it. What kind of feeling do you get just knowing, wow, I finally have a published book out there in stores? Well, you know, it was uh, interesting. I, uh, when I went since to the publisher, we prayed on it and got some friends together and we prayed some more on that. And I, and I just said, well, you know, God is going to be in your hands wherever, whatever you want to happen with this, with this book, it's going to happen. Literally, when uh, they got back to me and said, we want to publish this, I started crying because it was a work of love. And to think that people who are used to reading a lot of different manuscripts thought that it was worthwhile for other people to read was just astonishing to me. And I, I gave God thanks for that process. Mm. And then as we started going through the publishing process and looking at the art, it's kind of interesting as well. The first art they sent me, we looked at it and we went, no, that's not speaking to me. And so I reached back out to the publisher and we talked. And so the cover, when it, the final look of the cover, I thought, wow, beautiful. And me, not necessarily that kind of an emotional kind of crying guy, I started crying again. Wow. When it went into publication, I just started giving God thanks and praise that uh, he had taken it to this fulfillment. Well, James's book is called Memoirs of a Repentant Apostle, Learning to Trust in God's Love and Providence in My Life, written by James Canfield Jr. and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can buy it everywhere you get your reading material, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and down the street at your local bookstore, too. James, thanks again for coming on the show tonight. I had a really nice time learning about memoirs and chatting with you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking with you and well. And as I always say, I give you blessings that God will guide you in your walk as well. And know that any time in your time of troubles, you're never going to be by yourself. He's always by your side. So God bless you and take care. Harness the Power of the Ocean is the new book of poetry by author Noboy Hagiwara. No Boy is here with me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. No Boy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Like I said, your new book, Harness the Power of the Ocean, is out. It's a book of poetry. So uh, first off, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and about the book? Well, my name is Noboy Hagiwara. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for uh, taking the time to listen to this video on my life as a schizoaffective disorder patient. In the time that I sought out temporary housing, I would isolate myself on a regular basis, which is the tendency of the condition, and to socially distance myself from others. I wrote and wrote poems to pass the time, of which I take the time to share with you on a creative level as a way to connect with others who struggle with the schizoaffective disorder. It selected these poems out of 500 poems on my art website to express myself when I felt angst and despair. I don't let my condition label myself. Hmm. I don't let it get in the way of me accomplishing things such as writing my first book. I want my readers to enjoy reading these and to find self-soothing ways during these hectic times. I hope you enjoy the time to read my book, and it's Harness the Power of the Ocean. 
Now, you said this is your first book. Do you plan on writing more? Are you working on something in the future? I am. It's a pug coloring book for pug owners to show oneself how to express oneself. 10% of the proceeds go to the Denver Pug Rescue. Now, do you have advice for aspiring authors, being this is your first time, and I'm sure you learned a lot in the publishing process? Yes. Stay in touch with your loved ones since you don't know when they're going to be gone. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. So how long did it take for you to finish this? It took me one year to publish and a few months to, of writing poems. So what would you say is the most rewarding part of becoming a published author? Letting others know what I have to say and giving back to my mom. So often you're a writer and often reading is another passion that writers have. Uh, what sorts of things do you read for either leisure or motivation or even education? I enjoy fantasy works. Hmm. A Wrinkle in Time is my all-time favorite book. That's a great I book, I choose yeah. to write what inspires me. And one example is that I write a poem on if I had superpowers. Another is if I had a childhood career, what would it be? and where I will be in a few years. Hmm. Yeah, it's just wonderful, the world of imagination, creativity, and discovery that writing opens up for you. Well, no boy, thank you so much for putting your poetry out there and fostering and encouraging creativity in everybody and, and I think passing along some, some wonderful messages. The name of the book is Harness the Power of the Ocean, written by no boy Hagiwera. It's published by Fulton Books, and you can buy it everywhere that you get your reading material on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes and Google Play, down the street at your local bookshop, too. No boy, thank you again for stopping by the show. Thank you for putting your work out there into the world. I had a really nice time chatting tonight. Thank you for having me. What's your assignment in life? The new book by Amelia Mickey Carpenter just might steer you in the right direction. It's titled The Creator's Temporary on Assignment. I'm really happy to be joined by the author, Mickey, here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Mickey, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm pleased to be with you. Can you tell me all about what you've written here in the Creator's Temporary on Assignment? Actually, there are true stories and events that happened in my life with amazing answers to prayer, making the impossible possible, like a book of miracles. Hmm. The stories are short stories adventurous and wonderful and filled with a lot of emotion with me helping people. That's the big thing. I had uh, one girl that when I first met her, she said she hoped I wasn't a religious fanatic and I was on a new job. Later, she was kidnapped. And because of my witness, she lived to tell the story. Wow. Once I saw a car hurled into the air, it was a wreck, and a body fell through the rear windshield, and the man was dying. Everybody knew he was dying, and I knew he was dying, and I prayed that he would accept Jesus, and he did, mm-hmm. right there on his deathbed. But I also, because of all the discouragement and everything that the people had around me, I prayed for him to receive healing. God had other plans for this man, and you'll be interested in seeing what happened. In another story, there were runaways. Reggie and Susan had run a long way from home, were wanting to get married. And when God put them in my life, 
they were broke, hungry, and still single. They were runaways that didn't know what to do or where to go until God directed the path that I could reach them. And you have to see what happened to them. Hmm. Other stories, where where can she be, is about a 15-year-old that disappeared. Her name was Nancy, but God knew where she was. And there's more stories like this. Drug addicts who lost everything in their home, their children, and their life, and were actually facing death and tragedy when God reached down to them. And it was my opportunity to be the person that was in the middle, that was there to help them. And there's a lot of other stories about people being wrongfully accused and arrested, children that have been abused, and also some happiness miracle where I even helped a child one time to find adopted parents Mm. and other things that are adventurous. And that's been the story of my life. Wow. When I was a, a young person, I worked as a temporary for a temporary company and going into businesses all around Charlotte and everywhere and taking on assignments. And when I did those assignments, I was in there to help people get their work done. Hmm. And I think that kind of followed me on through life because we have to be able to help other people. There's a lost and dying world out there, and people need to be encouraged. They need to feel like somebody cares and something matters and that something can be done. Hmm. And we need to be able to step out and to do something. Being led by our Heavenly Father, He can put us in places of wonder with beautiful and wonderful excitement coming from the answers that come from prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. Faith in God can move mountains, and miracles still happen today. Well, Mickey, thank you so much for using all of these stories, all of these things that have happened in your life to reach out again and help others. And you're not keeping this to yourself. You are offering some joy, some encouragement, and some positivity to the world. And like I said, we really need more of that out there. The name of the book is The Creator's Temporary, On Assignment. It's written by Amelia Mickey Carpenter and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere you buy your books, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Mickey, thanks again for being here tonight. I really, really love your book, and I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure, and God bless you. Teaching children about Jesus in ways they can relate to can be quite a challenge for us adults. But that's the aim of author Cynthia Miller's new book, Polly May Believe. Cynthia, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about Polly May Believe? Sure. Well, as I stated on my book, that Polly May Believe came about through my Lord and Savior, I was in a bad time, and I just asked, you know, if you work with me. I've been trying to get this book out for so long, so I wrote the title down, and I put the pencil down, and I went to sleep, and he woke me up in the middle of the night, gave me the whole book, put the pencil down, and that was it. (laughs) And so this came out pretty quick. Have you written before, or is this the first time you've written a book? I've been writing, but this is the first time that I've published anything other than a poem. (laughs) 
Wow. Congratulations. Getting your first book out there is such a huge milestone. How did it feel whenever you got that first copy, whenever you open the box and you get that first physical one in your hands and you're holding that for the first time? Couldn't even explain it. It was <laughs> a labor of love. I was so excited to actually see it come to fruition. You know, I can hold it and I can actually see it. It was awesome. Awesome. Mm. What sort of age range of children do you think that this would be best for? Uh, I think this book can go from preschool and younger all the way up to about a 12-year-old because it simplifies how to find out about Jesus without making it complicated. It meets them at their level. Do you plan on writing more books, pursuing some more publishing? Oh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I have, I'm working on Polly and the Angel. Mm-hmm. That'll be my next book, among other things that uh, looking at writing. I love writing. When it came to the illustrations, you know, the big part of children's books, the illustrations, getting them in line with your vision and, and with what you've written, uh, what kind of a process was that like for you? Well, for me, it wasn't, I'm an artist, but for some reason, the spirit wasn't telling me to do the illustrations. And through another friend of mine, she uh, led me to a young man, Don Woodard, and he agreed to do the illustrations. And that's how my illustrations came about. And it wasn't too hard for me. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> now, being that this was your first published book, you know, the publishing process is a lot of work and you got to have a lot of patience. And I'm sure you learned a lot going through it for the first time. So what would you tell authors who also want to go through this for their very first time? I would say for my very first time, it was better than I thought it would be. Hmm. I think that's what took me so long to publish it. But going through Christian faith, it was awesome. I mean, every step for me, wasn't hard. Just follow the directions, do what they told you to do. I would tell other authors, don't wait as long as I did. Get out there and do it. And it's worth the money. It's worth every bit of it. And I am going to do it again Mm. (laughs) and again and again through Christian faith publishing as long as they will have me and allow me to write. Mm. It was so wise of you to partner with a publisher. You know, they know the obstacles and challenges along yes. the way. And, and they know how to be proactive and say, well, you better start preparing for this and, and doing this. So yes. they make the process so much smoother. And, and you're right. I mean, it costs you a few bucks out of your pocket, but it is so worth it in the time and the, the frustration it can save you. I agree 100%. With Christian Faith Publishing, for me, I felt that, again, they did all the work. The little bit that I did, I'm telling you, it was worth it. Again, just do it. Just do it. Hmm. Now, you mentioned here a little bit ago how much you love to write. And what goes hand in hand with people that love to write is that often they love to read. Would you call yourself an avid reader? Yes, I would. Hmm. And that's even on the back of my book, (laughs) that I am an avid reader, avid writer. It's true. I can read two and three books in in one sitting. So you're the kind of person that you never have enough books. You're just always looking for the next one. (laughs) (laughs) The book is called Polly May Believe. It's written by Cynthia Miller and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you get your reading material at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. well. Cynthia, thanks again for coming by the show tonight. I had a really nice time chatting about Polly May Believe and chatting with you. Thank you for having me. Continue to be blessed. I was amazed when I learned how many children are in foster care in the U.S., And I was even more amazed 
by how many more children are out there in need of loving parents, either through the foster care system or through adoption. I'm talking with author Adam Starks, Ph.D. He's written a great book about this. It's called Love Will Find Your Home. I'm talking with Adam right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Adam, thank you for being here with me tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. It's great to have you. I love what you're talking about in this book. This is a huge need, and it opened my eyes to a lot of what's going on here. So can you tell our listeners all about Love Will Find Your Home? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Love Will Find Your Home is a uh, emotional story about various situations that put children in foster care. A lot of people think it may be neglect or abuse, but some situations are more complicated than that. Mm. And it impacts everyone across class, across race, ethnicity, and so forth. I wrote this book based on my experience as a foster youth. I wanted to do two things. One, I wanted to inspire people to become foster parents or consider adoption. And two, I wanted them to know that the things that are going on in households and with children throughout our nation, a lot of people say this, and it's cliche to a certain extent, but you know, the children are our future. Mm. And if we don't invest in them now in, in terms of time and love, if we don't invest that in them, then we're going to turn out a society that doesn't know how to love and will, will turn into neglect. One of my greatest worries with children today, um, as you stated early on, there are so many children in the foster care system. It, it hovers around 400,000 throughout the U.S. Wow. You know, we have a lot of work to do as a society, and I wanted to bring attention to this in an easy sort of way. You know, we live in a mean society now, and so mm-hmm. we needed to I needed to simplify this process, and that's not to take anything away from anyone, but it was an effective, the most effective way to get my message across. I think it's a great message. I'm so glad that you wrote this book. About how long were you working on this? Well, uh, with my illustrator, we worked on it for about three or four months, and then from there, it was one of the things I go through and one of the, you know, even though I'm a 40-year-old man, one of the things I went through was a a period of doubt. You know, should I do this? Should we do it this way? You know, does this already exist? Is someone else doing it better than I am proposing here? So I went through a lot of that for about two years. And then Mm -hmm. finally, I just said, you know what? It's just time. Mm -hmm. And so my illustrator was pushing me because she already had her work done. And then it, it, it was just a matter of me, you know, just crossing the finish line. So it, it did take about two years, but the, the actual work and the actual process itself took about three to four months. Mm-hmm. Have you ever written a book? Have you ever published before? Yes, I, I did. And I self-published my autobiography, Broken Child, Mended Man. And that was about my life in foster care and being one of what I call the three percenters. In 1999, when I graduated high school, it was determined that about 3% um, end up becoming successful and self-sustaining. Wow. That number is still the same today. So if you take that 400,000 number, only about 12,000 are going to end up being successful and self-sustaining. Wow. And to me, that's, um, uh, that number is unacceptable yeah. because that leaves 388,000 on the outskirts of what our potential society could be. Absolutely. Again, the book is called Love Will Find Your Home. 
written by Adam Starks, Ph.D., and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere you get your books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and down the street at your local bookshop, too. Well, Adam, thank you again for joining me here today, and thank you so much for writing this book. It's so important. I had a really nice time chatting with you tonight. It was an absolute honor. Thank you so much. Tis But Thee is a charming new book by Kathleen Spade, and she's joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Kathleen, thank you very much for joining me here tonight. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's great to have you. Can you tell me all about Tis But Thee? Like you said, I feel like it is very charming. It came about when my one niece was having her first baby, and I was trying to come up with something special, you know, mm. to commemorate that. And as it turned out, a friend at work was having a baby as well. She was requesting, you know, children's books in lieu of cards. Mm. And I noticed that wasn't the first time I heard that. Of course, the idea came to me. I thought, well, I'll just write my own book, you know. <laughs> and that's kind of what I did. So I sat down and, I mean... Anybody who writes knows it's a process. Mm. I came up with the idea and went from that point, and it came out. And I was, you have to understand, when I do things like this, it's not me who's actually doing it. I feel like I'm inspired. I get divinely inspired, I guess. And I, I ask for help when I'm doing these things. And so I was very pleased when it came out. And that's kind of how it all came about. Wow, how wonderful. You know? So, So what is the story you're telling here? Well, it's about how a baby comes to its earthly mother, I guess is how you would say it, mm. where the baby is created in heaven, you know, before God. And I wanted to convey the idea that the baby is actually chosen, you know, specifically for that parent. And it makes a perfect baby shower gift. Mm. And that's how it's written. And that's how people perceive it. But it makes an actual birthday gift as well. Or even if a baby has been adopted by, you know, not the birth mother, it gives a starting point for that adoptive parent right. to say, well, even if we aren't the birth parents, you were chosen to be here and you were divinely created to be here. And this is your journey to how you came to be with us. Hmm. And that infamous question of, mommy, where do babies come from? Well, this answers it as well. <laughs> you know, you could show them this book and you were divinely made in heaven and this is your journey and this is how you came to be with us now. So it's not specifically, I mean, you can't like keep it in that box of a baby shower per se. And even at 83 year old, you know, I could see you going to your Nana on her birthday and, and giving her this book just as like a reminder that you did converse with God at one point and, you, you know, you were created and you still, your life has a divine purpose, no matter what your age is, mm. you know, because I know there's a lot of people sometimes they feel like they have no purpose in this life anymore or, right. you know, why am I still here or, but you do have a purpose. I just wanted to show and remind them that they do. That's what's striking me so much about this book, I think, is the hope and the, the purpose that you're giving to, you know, both adults and, like you said, older folks, and then to the children as well. The children can look back at this book and say, wow, you know, I am chosen. I have purpose here. God set this all up for me. There's, there's a purpose here. Right, exactly. I hope that would come across mm. <laughs> with the book itself. I didn't want it to be kind of boxed into one specific purpose. Yeah, yeah. It has many purposes. And I could see it, 
you know, starting out as that perfect gift for the mom, but it could be a keepsake for the child as well throughout his or her years. And like I said, even if they're adopted, you know, how did I get to be here? Or, you know, you did come to your through your mommy, but for whatever reasons, now you are with us. It's called Tis But Thee, written by Kathleen Spade. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere you get your reading material on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and at traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. And Kathleen, thanks again for joining me here tonight. I had a great time chatting and finding out about Tis But Thee. Me too. Thank you so much, Corey. I appreciate it. Fluffy Fox and the Little Turtle is the new book by Matthew Barnes that he says your children will want to read over and over again. I'm really happy to be talking with Matthew here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Matthew, thank you so much for joining me here tonight. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Fluffy Fox and the Little Turtle. Kids are going to want to read this again and again. What's it all about? Yeah, it's about overcoming obstacles, helping others, and, and friendship. It kind of focuses around the main character, Fluffy Little Fox, and her interaction with her group of friends and this little guy, this little turtle and his family, and how she ends up helping him out in a unique way. How did the idea for this come about? The book is actually in memory of my daughter. Mm. I lost Abigail in 2014. And oh, I'm sorry. I appreciate that. She, um, I've always associated her with this little fox. There's a, a mm. story uh, the day before her funeral. I was out at the cemetery, and a little fox poked his head out of the shrubs and followed me around. So I've had this thing bouncing around in my head for quite a while. And uh, it just finally came out one day. Oh, what a special meaning that holds for you. Yes, definitely. About how long were you working on this? You know, I actually, I set up one night at 1.30 in the morning and wrote this on my phone, believe wow. it or not. So, mm. And then I spent about a month researching publishers. And the first one I sent it to accepted the book. And then it took me about a year to work through the editing, illustrations, and all of that stuff, because illustrations were very key to me. So we took our time with those, and I couldn't be happier with them. Yeah, what was that process like? Did you seek out somebody in particular, or what was that? You know, I did. I For some reason, this the Christian Faith Publishing just jumped out at me off of the page, and literally I sent them an email with the manuscript and got a call back in two hours. And so I just knew that was the right way to go and couldn't be happier with them. Well, that's fantastic. Have you published before? Is this your first time around the block? This first time around the block, uh, I never dreamed I would be a published author, and it's it's kind of cool to say. Yeah, it sure is. What was that feeling? I mean, when you get this book, you know, it's one thing, you're working on the book, and it's on your computer screen. Yeah. When you get that physical copy in your hands, that very first one, what was going through your mind whenever you first held that in your hands? Well, that one's kind of, that's hard to explain. It was, um, it was surreal. They sent me a group of 10. You know, I just sat down and read it, and just kind of really couldn't believe it. It just I kept looking at it and flipping around and you'd kind of laugh at it a little bit and say, I can't believe this actually exists now. It's pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. So I'm sure you learned a lot being your first time <laughs> publishing a book. Do you have any advice now that you could give to people who are about to do that same thing? Just do it. Like I said, I never dreamed I would do this. This I always talked about it and, you know, would kid with my friends and family. And then people would look at me and say, well, just just do it and, you know, and rely on the process. These publishers, they know what they're doing and they can help guide you through it. Just don't, don't be scared to do it. Well, you are officially an author now. You're published, you're out there and authors mm -hmm. write. So do you plan on writing more? You know, I think I do. I think there's a, one of the illustrations in this book, there's a strategically placed little yellow fish in one of the ponds. And mm. I think Fluffy Fox and her might have some, a little story around them at some point in time. Oh, that's wonderful. 
And can you talk about how your faith has worked into all of this? Oh, yeah. It's, you know, that was the fun part about going through the editing process. I really didn't write this book to have some massive theological message or hidden agendas in there. But as I was going through the little tidbits that popped out of my faith, where you, mm. you see things like the little turtle's family is talking to the wise old owl. And, you know, I look at that and I'm like, that's, you know, that's prayer. And prayer has been a huge part of my life. And, you know, and then you see little fluffy fox giving, being very sacrificial. And you just, it's funny to see all of these teachings and parables that interwove their self in there without even me knowing it. So it was not intentional, but it was pretty cool to see how it, it still interwove itself in there. I think it's a great way to communicate the Christian message to children. It's to just demonstrate it in front of them. Yep. Don't try to preach it. Don't try to say <laughs> you have to do this, you have to do that. Just live it. And they're going to see that. That is so true. I, I couldn't agree with that more. And then that's how I was as a kid, too. I mean, my dad laughed about that. He's like, look, you just have to do it and learn on your own and by yourself. And I tried to do that with my kids growing up as well, is just live the words that, I'm, that I hear from the Bible and hear from the teachings and try to live them out in my life in front of them. Be the light. That's what it's about. Exactly. And thank you for being such a light in here and honoring your daughter's memory. It's called Fluffy Fox and the Little Turtle. It's by Matthew Barnes and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere you shop for your reading material. You can get it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and at your traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Matthew, thank you again for joining me tonight. This is truly a wonderful book. I encourage our listeners to seek this one out. Thanks again for being here. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. There's a new children's book in stores right now by author Marianne Spampanato. It's called Betsy the Rescue Dog, and Marianne is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Marianne, thank you so much for being here with me. Oh, I'm delighted to be part of this interview. I'm delighted you're here. You know, you got to love rescue dogs, and especially got to love the people who adopt rescue dogs. And uh, that's what your book's about. I love it. Can you tell me about it? Sure. Well, I am the owner of a rescue dog. Mm. And if a person didn't inspire me to write the book, it was my dog inspired me to write the book. Mm. <laughs> that and my work as a freelance correspondent for a local weekly, I do a lot of articles about our local animal charities. And I learned that, you know, rescue dogs aren't always rescue dogs. Hmm. A lot of times they come from very loving, good homes, but then something happens. An owner becomes ill, is injured, passes away, maybe has to move someplace where they cannot take their animal, their, their pet. And then the animal gets in a dangerous situation. So that's kind of what happens with Betsy. She's in a very loving home on a farm. She loves the outdoors, and then something happens. And I know when I'm out in the public with my book, people said, does it have a happy ending? And I said, yes, I guarantee you it does have a happy ending, although, you know, it is about a rescue dog. So there is a part of the book where life isn't very good for Betsy. Mm. Yeah, you got to have some ups and downs. That's just real life. Yeah, and because of that, I ran the story by a writer's group, local writer's group that I'm in. I also shared it with the owner of a local children's bookstore here in Johnstown, PA. And she's the one who gave me feedback. It was a great story, probably for best for children ages five through nine. But because children could have questions about aspects of the book, mm. you know, namely when Betsy is experiencing situations in which she needs to be rescued from, 
that a parental discussion guide could be in order. So it's not just a story. It is also a parental discussion guide developed by a local family counselor who he himself always had rescue dogs. So there's a great sensitivity there to what those animals go through. And also, I work with our local Humane Society office and adding some information about what constitutes animal abuse, neglect, and what the average person can do about it. So it's also it's a story, but also a learning tool. Wow. Wow. What a wonderful book. And it sounds like a lot of care and attention went into this. Did this take you a long time to do? I had the idea in my mind for a few months, and but I didn't get down on paper until last year in winter. And I like to say that I... <laughs> I wrote my big novel, my big book during the pandemic. It actually was kind of drafted before the closures happened. And and then I took it to Fulton Books and, and they liked it as well. I was wrestling with what to do with Betsy first. Is do is she always need to be rescued or does something happen? And again, recalling my work with the articles I've done with local animal groups, I thought, oh, let's talk about the situation where she's in a very loving home and then that's taken away from her. Hmm. And then how she gets another, another loving home and that's the resolution of the story. The book is called Betsy the Rescue Dog, written by Marianne Spampanato and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you get your books, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Marianne, thank you again for joining me here tonight. What a wonderful book Betsy the Rescue Dog is. I really appreciate you talking about it, and I really had a nice time chatting with you tonight. Thanks a lot, Corey. You have a good rest of your day. I know when I read the Bible, it can be too easy to see the people in it as just characters and not real people with real lives and real thoughts and real issues. Now, author David Keim, he has a new book out. It's called, Hello, I am Joseph. Hello, I am Mary. And this tells the story of these significant people in the Bible as real people. David's talking with me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. David, thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you for having me. I love the spin that you've taken on the stories of Joseph and Mary in the Bible here. Can you tell us all about it? Yeah. Both Joseph and Mary are written as if they were talking to you directly, but 2,000 years ago. The book is really fictional in the sense that we don't know what their thoughts may have been or their emotions, but I've tried to portray what they might have possibly been. And, and in doing so, both Mary and Joseph tell you a little bit about their story. And at the end of each chapter, there are questions. And the questions relate to basically what has been written in that chapter. And they may say, okay, if you were Mary, how would you have reacted to this? Or do you think Joseph may have felt a certain way? For instance, at some point, Mary would have had to have told Joseph that she was pregnant, and Joseph would know that he's not the father. So when I'm saying that, how, what would you have done if you were in Joseph's place reacting to the fact that your bride-to-be or contracted wife was pregnant and you knew you weren't the father? That had to be a pretty intense conversation, I would imagine. Yeah, it, it really was up to a point. And Mary suggests that 
she will go visit her relative Elizabeth. And Joseph tells her that he thinks that would be a great idea because it would give him a chance to think. Mm. And then he goes on and eventually is has his own um, vision or contact from an angel to tell him to go ahead and marry Mary. But that's the kind of thing that the whole book delves into. Mm. Joseph will end prior to Jesus's ministry, because after Jesus is 12, Joseph basically disappears from any scriptural references. Whereas Mary goes the whole way through the crucifixion, the resurrection, and eventually the ascension. Mm -hmm. You get the whole life experience of Mary to the end of the story, if you will, of Jesus' ascension. Mm -hmm. And I tried to develop a type of writing that would allow you to start to feel what it might have been like 2,000 years ago or think about what you may have said or done back then. Hmm. Is there anything in particular that inspired you to write this? <laughs> That's kind of an interesting question. I would say the best description of that would be it was inspired. It just kind of came to me one evening, hmm. and I was sitting in the chair, and all of a sudden I thought, gee, I'm going to write a book. And decided it was on would be Joseph. I told a friend about it. She looked at me and went, Joseph who? And I said, Joseph as in Joseph and Mary. And, and she said, go for it. That's what started the whole thing. It just kind of hit me out of the blue. Mm. Again, the name of the book is Hello, I am Joseph. Hello, I am Mary. Written by David Keim, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you buy your books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores as well. Well, David, thanks again for joining me here tonight. I had a great time chatting with you. Thank you for inviting me. Words have power. And that power can be good, and that power can also be bad. Now, I'm talking with Dr. Minx Gotti, and her new book called Emancipation touches on what power words can hold. Minx, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you. Can you tell me all about what you've written in Emancipation? Well, I have written, this is, and actually this is an introduction for me into the literary world. Hmm. And it took me over three decades and nine years to find the courage. Wow. And that word is very, very big, courage, to write the book. Because it goes into me being a product of domestic violence. Hmm. I speak about, you know, my drug use and my alcohol use. I speak about being basically raped by a cousin for over several years. And also, too, Emancipation was written as a catalyst for the younger LBGT youth, so to speak, because this book is really my blueprint on what I did, because I never had to be subjected to escorting or turning tricks or prostitution or working in the adult friend industry and or being a showgirl. You know, because many people within the community tend to always take a shortcut. And it's not about a shortcut because it's all about fortitude and exerting that into life. Wow. Courage is definitely the right word for this. So you're saying you were writing this over a long period of time. So you were developing this over the period of time. Now, actually writing it, were you writing it that whole time or was the writing process shorter? No, I wasn't writing it. 
I was actually contemplating and again, going back to the word courage, Mm. you know, building up the courage to write it. Yeah. So what advice now would you give to somebody who has a story to tell, has been through maybe some things similar to what you have been and feels that they can help people, they want to write something, but don't know where to start. Can you give any advice? Yes, I can. Actually, one has to sit down and really do some soul searching, do an inventory. And again, going back to that word, courage. You have to find the courage to pull out that pen and that piece of paper and start writing. Honestly, I have to equate myself to Tyler Perry. You know, he journaled. You know, Oprah Winfrey, she journaled. Toni Morrison, Terry McMillan, Alice Walker, you know, the author of The Color Purple. And, you know, the epitome of high priestess, Dr. Maya Angelou. And journaling is is certainly important. I think a lot of authors do that. It's a way that you can be honest and just get your thoughts out on the page. But it's also a good sort of bank of ideas that maybe you can draw on a little bit later and say, oh, yeah, that's what I was feeling at that time. And I can I can work with that now. That's very true. You know, moreover, though, for myself, I have a photographic memory and I can recite all the way back to when I was five years old. Wow. I can, you know, and I've lived on all four corners of the globe, but the United States of America, North, South, East, and West. You know, I lived in New York, New York for 15 years. And New York will teach you a way of getting your caca together, because if you (laughs) don't, you are screwed. Wow. Well, congratulations on getting your work out there. The name of the book is Emancipation. It was written by Dr. Minx Gotti and published by Fulton Books. You can get this everywhere that you shop for your reading material. You can get it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, Google Play, and down the street at your local bookstore as well. Well, Minx, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure speaking with you, and I hope we can do this again sometime soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 